Bootstrapping your business can sometimes feel lonely. Welcome to the Bootstrapped European Entrepreneur Podcast, where you can hear the stories of your peers, as well as the strategies and tactics that have helped them grow their businesses. Your host, Uroj, co-founded a company as a student and led it through the trials and tribulations of bootstrapping to the IPO on the stock exchange. Hi, our guest today is Tosha Tranov, co-founder of Adiva, a company that helps hiring engineering talent at scale easier, while at the same time bringing tech professionals around the world equal opportunities, no matter their location, gender, or race. In this episode, he shares with us what drove them to create a marketplace, what made them incorporate in the U.S., and how they balance growth on both sides of the marketplace. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Hi, Tosho. Thank you for joining us today. Hi, good morning. From the outside, uh, let's say marketplace businesses look like a great uh, idea, a great businesses, easy to defend. <laughs> but I think they are notoriously hard to grow to respectable size. So how did you get into this kind of business? <laughs> okay, when to give you some context about the, the company and uh, what we do, Adiva is an exclusive tech professional network and we partner with companies to scale their engineering teams. On one side, we have uh, talents, people that are skilled. On the other side, we have uh, uh, companies that are willing to, to hire people. So back in the days when I was young, we started freelancing, right? And uh, the entire freelancing thing, it went uh, really well. But we ended up, uh, your life ends up in negotiating on projects, you know, talking with clients, shifting deadlines, offering rates and all of that. And I quickly realized that my life is becoming, I'm becoming a salesman and not really a developer and uh, doing what I uh, would like to do the most, even though afterwards it turned out that I'm going to do all of the sales <laughs> stuff. But that's, I guess, karma. <laughs> yeah. So and at, at that time, we wanted to create like a group of friends, group of people, group of uh, trusted people around and work with them to create value for our clients, create value for them. And that's how we, we didn't know we are building a marketplace. We didn't know that we'll end up here. So if you ask me, we ended up here not intentionally, but then after a few years, we realized that, you know, what we do is actually a marketplace. So you mentioned the value. If I understand correctly, let's say from your answer, the value for the freelancers was what? That they don't have to be a complete business person, but they just work on their expertise, let's say. Yeah, so the value for the uh, freelancers at that time was that uh, they wouldn't need to worry about getting a new project, defining rates and all of that. We do that uh, for them. You know, if they say, I want to make uh, my rate is uh, this much and I have uh, 20 hours availability or I have full-time availability and I would like to commit uh, my time to maybe this course or maybe that course or this is what I'm passionate about. And then we're going to reach out to them only if we have something suitable for them. So they wouldn't need to go through maybe 10 or uh, 20 interviews to figure out what would, uh, what would be a good investment of their time. So when was that? That was back in 2015 uh, when we started the company. After that, you know, we progressed a lot and uh, a lot of things changed. But initially, that was the idea. But uh, if I remember correctly, let's say 
at least from listening to podcasts at that time, there were already similar companies, let's say, targeting freelancers and offering them like uh, hassle-free matchmaking, something like that. So what's different? Were you not aware of this competition or did you do something differently, let's say? No, there were few companies doing that. And, uh, you know, Upwork is one of the biggest marketplaces uh, in the world. But the problem with them is that uh, a lot of companies were going there and willing to pay the least possible money for the uh, the job to be done. And we wanted to focus more on the premium side of things, right? We wanted to focus on, on quality. We wouldn't expect that uh, someone's going to post a job and then, you know, we'll find someone that's going to do the job for the lowest amount of money possible. But we wanted to create a like a premium space where people would not outbid them, but they will compete with quality. So if I'm good at that, this is the rate. If you want to take it, if you not, you know, uh, leave it. So our focus were more on the premium side of things. We didn't work with anyone and not anyone uh, could create a, a profile on the platform. But these people would need to go through a certain screening process to make sure that we confirm their availabilities. Later on, we expanded this uh, screening process and verification process to identity checks and all of that. But at the beginning, what we cared about is the skill set of the people we are introducing to the clients. Okay, I understand. But so let's say if Upwork just takes care of matching the demand uh, with providers, with the talent, you remove all the transaction cost and transaction burden, let's say, by all the negotiating, all the searching, all the, let's say, selling on this side. So it's much better and much easier experience for freelancers in this way. Yes, it's a seamless experience for both sides because even if you put yourself in uh, client's shoes, right, instead of you talking to uh, 10 different people and then uh, qualifying uh, all of them and seeing who would be potentially a good fit, you would only need to do one intro and then we'll send you only one person. We wouldn't send you three people, not even two. We send you only one person and then you say, hey, uh, this works. Uh, I like this part of uh, his profile or hers profile. I, I don't want this part. And the next uh, candidate we introduce, we would make sure that he or she would have all of the all of the criteria based on the, the preferences that uh, were given by the clients. And that's what the, when I say premium, that's what it means. Okay, so this is the state of things today, let's say. But you mentioned when you started, it was a little bit different, let's say. So there was a group of friends. So you know some people you wanted to, let's say, provide better experience for these freelancers. So this is one side of the market. Mm-hmm. How did you approach, let's say, growing the demand part of the market? Because this way, why, what I think is... Uh, one of the most challenging aspects of the marketplace, let's say, balancing this out, let's say. So uh, you probably have some friends, I understand that. Uh, you have the providers, let's say, of services. Right. What about the demand part, let's say, the buyers? Right. So uh, we started, back in the days, we started uh, kind of selling like a digital agency because we didn't know we are building a marketplace or we will end up here. So on that side of things, uh, like, even today, uh, maybe 60 to 75% of uh, the, the requests are coming from existing uh, clients and people we know. So uh, since day one, our focus was to create value. 
And that's how we started scaling. So we had friends. Those friends didn't have any uh, any expectations from us. Uh, you know, if we find something that's good, we'll talk. If we don't find anything, it, it's completely fine. All of them they had a full, uh, they either either have a had a full time job or they're working freelance. And this was like it's good if we get in. That's great. If we don't, that's good again. And uh, at the beginning, we didn't. Uh, people didn't have expectations. Uh, they didn't have high expectations. So. Even if we uh, we saw that as a community because we were going out and meeting with them and organizing events and all of that, but not many of them expected they, they will get a job. And uh, for us, the, the initial thing was creating this connection with them, right? And then on the other side, when because uh, we had a website and a lot of we started doing blogging and conference speeches uh, and, and all of that, and that's how uh, we started getting some good traction and, and uh, clients coming in. And that's when we started actually making the match. That's why I'm saying, you know, we are marketplace, but we, we didn't start as a marketplace initially. Yeah. So I say, uh, let's say for the freelancers, they committed in theory. Let's say, so if something will come, okay, I will be available. But they had, uh, let's say, they lived their life as usual. Uh, so you are not, uh, let's, obligated to do something for them. And it was much easier on the other side. You can focus now on, the, let's say, the demand side, on selling the services, but more as a typical outsourcing uh, provider or something like that. Right. Okay, great. Right. What happened that you perceived yourself differently? <laughs> so a uh, few things actually happened. Uh, we actually started working remotely. It was 2000 and. Uh, 60. So we were remote since day one, right? But we started working with uh, people from abroad. When we started working with people from abroad, we needed to change things, right? We needed to improve to to make sure that we have a standard interview process, uh, to make sure that we have a standard kind of scoring system. Because when we talk with these people, we need to see what 10 means, right? What, what 6 means, what three means uh, in terms of, of score, how this, how good this person is. So that's when we actually started looking into things and that's when we actually started forming some sort of a marketplace because everyone, if prior to that, we knew these people, we knew the companies that uh, they work with, we knew their expectations and all of that and we were able to connect them with them on personal level. Afterwards, that started to be a, a problem because, you know, you even though we traveled a lot, you cannot meet with everyone in person and talk preferences and all of that. So there was, uh, let's say, started to developing the screening process. Right. So that was the, the first big thing. Uh, we needed to find, because uh, we started talking with other people, other communities. We, we increased our presence in Serbia. We increased our presence in other countries in the region. And we needed to find a way to qualify how uh, to put a number on how qualified someone is. And that's how qualified was. Uh, we, we started developing some minimum criteria. So if you wanted to join the community, you have to have uh, at least five years of experience. You need to have a fluent English. You need to have uh, like certain skill sets we are good with. And then uh, that's how uh, that became a baseline. So if uh, you know someone is not a, a good fit, that's fine. We cannot create value for him or her at this point, but uh, we'll still invite them to the community events, still get engaged, and you know later on as they improve or as they gain experience, they, we would be able to to create higher value for them. 
Okay, so this is a little bit ironic now. Let's say you started the company because you didn't want to de deal with sales and everything less. Now you're also dealing with hiring. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that was not yes. on the table before. <laughs> that was not on the table before. <laughs> okay. So now you develop this uh, competency of screening, let's say, and you're working remotely. Did this now mm -hmm. change your self-perception? Okay, now we are kind of marketplace or... Let's say I'm interested. Let's say when this click happened. Let's say because it's interesting when you start perceiving your business in a different way. So was this the catalyst or something else? That was the the turning point for us uh, because we needed to build something like a platform or a tool that would help us run operations. And that's when we actually started uh, creating things and uh, we started thinking okay, how we can make our job easier. And then we realized, okay, if people apply to join, instead of, uh, you know, ask uh, asking them to send CVs and all of that, if they uh, send their CV right away, and if, if we create a process, everyone can go on system level, you know, we ended up having our own database with uh, all of these people, their skill set and all of that with, with CVs. And then on the other side, we, we realized that we could do the same uh, for the clients because uh, we have uh, job requests. And then uh, previously we, work at, we worked with, um, you know, uh, Google Docs or uh, just they're going to send us a link to their website uh, so we can review the job descriptions and all of that. And then we realized that uh, if we did that for the tech professionals, we could do that for uh, the clients as well. And we did that part. Afterwards, we developed the matching system. So now we have an end-to-end -end, uh, solution that's kind of, uh, you know, covering all of the things within the business. So uh, I saw that, uh, let's say, you now systemized uh, how you approach the freelancers, let's uh -huh. say, how you screen them and so on. Mm -hmm. And you got similar idea that uh, you have the similar need on the demand side. So that uh, you now the requests for talent mm -hmm. that you got are not, the quality, they don't have the data that you need, uh, let's say. So you make them, let's say, make these potential clients to reveal more of their needs or you work with them to systemize them in some way. Is this what you did? So even today, we handle most of the things on platform side uh, be because we want to create, you know, a seamless experience for them. So we'll hop on a call, get all of the details, and then we're going to add the, the details uh, instead of the clients, uh, even though they, can, they could do that uh, themselves. But the idea is, is that because, you know, we, we needed to get the details in the way we need them uh, to be able to, to work with, with them and understand uh, all of the details around the request and all of that, and then be able to uh, approach the people we feel would be a good fit for the opportunity. Okay, I see. So in a way, for a client, you are HR department on steroids. Steroids, let's say. <laughs> Hiring department on steroids. Right. So, like, the, the main value proposition we have, we mentioned a few times freelancers, right? Uh, yeah. Today, uh, we mainly work with, we call it like a full-time remote kind of employment. So, the engagement model is either full-time or, or part-time. But, uh, you know, we tend to work on uh full long-term long engagement so it's not two weeks three weeks but more like a full-time long-term remote uh, employment and ah, okay yes yeah, so so this is also one point of difference yes later on we realized that uh, you know we would like to focus on this part uh, the freelance market uh, is not for us it's too crowded and we would not be able to create the value we would like for the people we work with and uh, we went in that direction so just wanted to make sure we touch base on that okay 
So I have some questions. So let's say you were scaling on the, let's say, freelance side, on the talent side. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I have a question, let's say, I noticed on your website chapters, what are chapters, let's say. So right. you have a kind of chapters. So this is like evolution of this process or? So since day one, our approach was personal. We wanted to create value locally. So that, that's how we started. We started here in Macedonia. Uh, later on, we, we expanded to the US. Uh, we expanded to Serbia as well. Uh, so these chapters are kind of uh, local community groups, which we support for them to hang out, do some activities and all of that. And uh, that's how we operate these uh, local communities. We have multiple chapters. Uh, each chapter is in a uh, different country. And then that, that's how we create value for, for these local groups. I see. And it's also a way of sourcing talent, let's say. Yes. That's uh, sourcing vet, vetted talent. Sourcing talent and then we vet them to become vetted. <laughs> <laughs> okay, great. So now I understand a little bit less your approach to scaling the talent side. What about scaling uh, on this uh, on the demand side? Or maybe before we touch that, uh, how large is now, let's say, your company, if you can share some numbers? Uh? Right. Uh, to answer the, the question about the, uh, scaling the, the client side, uh, funny thing with us, uh, Uroshes, is that uh, the personas we are going after are uh, quite similar. So we either uh, focus on uh, senior software engineers, or we uh, focus on that's on the talent side and, or on the client side. We mainly work with CTOs, VP of engineering, uh, engineering managers. So uh, you, you mentioned the uh, HR department on steroids. So even though we technically help the HR department, the, the people that are making the decisions are usually and making the first approach uh, to us are usually VP of engineering, CTOs, and uh, highly skilled uh, tech founders. So it, it, it's that direction. So sales for us goes two ways right away. Uh, what we use, one of the most interesting channel for us is, uh, you know, the content marketing and the events. We do a lot of blogging. That's first thing. Uh, we organize fireside chats. Uh, that's a second thing where we have some tech leader, uh, you know, come in and talk about some, some uh, technology, some skill set, how they uh, fix something in the company, you know, and, and that's how we build uh, this community. So we don't have different channels or for sales and talent. So the challenge we use are kind of similar. So uh, have, having the, let's say, narrow niche really helps you with marketing, let's say, because you know your target audience really well. Yes. So I, I usually, uh, when we talk with uh, developers, when I talk to the people in the community, like I, I feel like I'm one of them. I feel like uh, I, I understand their needs deeply. On the other side, uh, you know, developing our own technology and uh, me being in the business for uh, quite a long time, I, I feel the, the the client side as well because I know exactly what they need. I, I uh, We understand the, their problems firsthand and we are able to offer them uh, solutions right away. And not having a... a so one of the issues in the marketplace are completely different uh, personas. With us, we try to, to, to close that gap. Uh, so when we uh, do blogging, you know, usually these senior developers are going to become engineering managers, some of them CTOs and, and, and all of that. Uh, and that's the target group. So we kind of uh, help them educate throughout the process 
of becoming an engineering manager or, or CTO. And that's one of the additional values we create for them. Uh-huh. So there's also, let's say, some shift uh, in, uh, let's say, uh, talent going on, to, uh, let's say, in the positions on the demand side. Yes, exactly. So exactly. But uh, if I, okay, this is my assumption, but probably, let's say, also, you don't have credibility problem with, uh, let's say, VPs of engineering or something like that because you speak uh, tech language. Uh, you're not typical HR person or something like that. Right. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So what is the reason, let's say, I also noticed on your website, uh, even, yeah, let's say, you're located in Macedonia, the company is now U.S. company. Right. Uh, so was there any strategic reason behind that? There were a few reasons, uh, actually, you know, because we started working with uh, U.S. company companies more and more. One of the biggest problems in the emerging markets are, uh, you know, uh, law is getting changed every now and then. Taxes are getting changed now and every now and then. And uh, when you're creating a business uh, for the future, you need to depend on something. And uh, unfortunately, we noticed that we would not be able to create any type of business from, you know, any business of, of this type being located in Macedonia because a, a lot of things are uh, changing all, all of the time and you need to have some sort of security and as a company you need to know that, you, okay, this is what you're going to invest but, uh, you know, no one's going to change the regulations and, and, and all of that. So uh, yeah, You need stable legal framework. Yes. So that was one of the uh, things and uh, a, a few other things connected, you know, payments in uh, Macedonia, especially it's hard. Uh, you're able only to accept via transfer. We need to have, I'm not sure how it is in Slovenia, but uh, half of the, so if you're signing a contract, half of the contract is signed in Macedonia, half of it is in English. And then if you need to go to court, um, you know, these things yeah. don't happen really often, but we need to show to, to the clients that, okay, we're kind of equal and uh, you know we're uh, will go in in u.s courts and all of that to, to show some sort of, of security for them as well um because at the end we still kind of sell premium service it's it's not one thing transaction it's kind of a relationship building and uh, at the beginning you need to show trust and respect and you need to show that you are prepared to go their way uh, to be able to win the business and uh, create value for everyone. So it was basically to remove some objections in sales process, let's say. Yes, and to uh, have a strong fundamentals, you can uh, we can build the company on. So those are the, if I I need to frame, uh, I would frame it like that. Build build fundamentals okay. for for growing. So how is it running, let's say, a remote company from the. <laughs> Let's say the country where the company is not located in. <laughs> uh, let's say, uh, do you have any problems? Let's say with understanding nuances uh, of uh, legal framework, U.S. legal framework, or so on. How do you approach that? Uh, what's the setup that this works uh, nicely? Right. So what we did uh, in the past, two we we identified all of the critical points uh, we need uh, local support with, and uh, that's obviously legal, that's finance, uh, that's banking, and all of that. And we have local people in US that uh, support that. We run the company from uh, Macedonia, but for anything uh, that's 
law legally related to US law and all of that we have people over there that uh, you know understand the the legal system the finance system and all of that and that's how we we solved that, that problem i must say at the beginning when we found, uh, founded the company uh, we went to this tripatlas program uh, it was i think three, four, five years old and then uh, with them at, at the so they've been incredibly helpful for us because when we started the process, they gave us, I think, one hour free consultation for legal, one hour free consultation for finances, and they actually helped us establish the company there. And after that, uh, once we started uh, scaling and uh, you know generating some ref- uh, revenue, we found strategic partners over there that are actually helping us run the company from uh, a remote location. So does this mean a lot of traveling for you? To US and back, or uh, previously, yes, uh, but lately, not much. Uh, you know, with the COVID, uh, every uh, people understand that you can do everything remotely, and uh, you know, for me, that's a, a great story because I don't need to travel much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the uh, funny thing is, let's say before the pandemic, I was tired of traveling. After a year of, uh, let's say, mostly being at home. Uh, I started to miss it. I, I couldn't believe it. Let's say <laughs> no. So uh, I'm, I'm usually joking. If if I want to go, I want to go. I want to travel. But if I need to go, that's the problem. So you know, it, it comes kind of business travels. I, I love them. But, you know, there, there were times that uh, a lot of uh, conferences were happening, you know, in, in just two months and you need to uh, travel four, five, five times uh, in, in that month. And it's okay, but you would not be able to do that on long run unless you uh, live on the plane. Okay. I have two more questions regarding uh, your business decision or your business model. Mm-hmm. Let's mm-hmm. First one is, uh, let's say, Usually platforms have problem with platform leakage, right. let's say. So people meeting on platform and then going off platform. Uh, is this is this a problem that you need to address? And if yes, how? Right. We are a value-driven company and uh, we believe that, you know, the more value you create for the people, uh, they'll stay. Outside from, you know, the initial connection and all of that, uh, each person in the community, uh, they have an account manager that's uh, here to address any challenges uh, they have. So it's not like a cold support system where you need to report, but we proactively go and try to figure out what problems they have to be able to help them solve. And that's on the talent side. On the client side, uh, we build a kind of financial services that support the business. So and that's kind of a global payment system. So, for example, if you have uh, three engineers uh, working in different locations, you wouldn't need to worry about paying uh, all of them through different platform and uh, all of that. You know, so the, we are constantly trying to find new ways to uh, create additional value on both sides. So one of them is compliance. I didn't mention, uh, mention that if you're working uh, with remote people, you need to verify them. You need to do a background check on them. You need to make sure that uh, this person is, is is clear because you know it could happen. Uh, and this type of of this value, uh, including compliance, including global payments, and and all of that, is something we create additionally for the clients, and we we don't charge outside of of our. Uh, service fee and usually companies that are planning to scale because they they see the value and the potential of 
uh, them being partners with Adiva to help them scale even faster, uh, you know, it's not happening. We had, I think, one or two cases in these five years, but, uh, you know, we addressed them and they, they were nothing serious. Uh, outside of that, uh, there is an option for them to buy out the contract. So if they want to hire these people uh, directly, they could start discussion and uh, convert the employees to a full time if there is a legal frame to to do it, to do that. So there are legal ways to handle all of the uh, things. I'm really impressed by this pursuit of value. Let's say so. At each step, you are asking yourself about the value uh, and. If I understood correctly, you solve this uh, platform leakage problem by providing value even after much making is done. Uh, but this leads me directly into my next question. Mm-hmm. Let's say providing this kind of value is resource intensive. Let's say I'm listening to you. There is, I don't see a lot of option for automation at every step of this process. Some of the stuff, yes, but some of the stuff shouldn't be automated probably. So how scalable is your business model? Uh, in terms of scalability, I think it's, it's scalable because all of these additional value things, like we, we use uh, automated tool for verifying identity. We use, uh, we, we have some pro-form contracts which we send out with a click of a button to every party, uh, you know, by filling out the form. We have a kind of a one-click payout to all of the uh, communities so we can run global payments in more than uh, 35 countries within five or 10 minutes. So all of this, uh, we invested a lot of time and energy in making this process scalable. And that's on the additional value side of things. On the talent side of things might not be that scalable, but we, we like they could be, they could scale. Uh, we could add uh, AI, and there are a lot of tools about interviewing and matchmaking, and uh, a lot of uh, technology we could uh, potentially use. Uh, but we don't want to ditch the personal touch uh, in 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 all of that. So we started experimenting about uh, using uh, kind of a smart matching uh, that's suggesting which of the engineers would be good fit for for the positions we are opening but we use that only for internal purposes to review how good this matching could be and we are working on improving it uh so i think the model is 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 scalable okay but uh do you have to let's say is it a hard decision for you because you are so value driven is it hard decision for you what should be automated or not you now mentioned in our discussion that probably this interaction this personal touch shouldn't be automated, but on the other hand, you are, let's say, testing out AI approach and so on, which you know that it could have potential problem with biases and so on, depending on the data. So is it a hard decision for you what to automate and what not? So in the interview process, I'm super uh, confident that uh, we would not automate everything, you know, this personal touch and, yeah. you know, the community building and the events and all of that, that I consider that to be a personal touch and that would never fade away from what we do because that's one of our core values on the matching side of things uh things could potentially get automated but i think we are still far away uh from that because you know every person that joined the community they have an account manager they talk uh, they interact and uh we're 
sometimes people are not available, but we know uh, they will be ready to make a move in three months. And uh, usually you discover this, uh, this type of things when people open up and they, they uh, talk about personal things, you know, something big is happening in their life. They are moving in different country. Uh, you know, they are having a kid. And these things, we, we talk to them. And that's how we understand uh, these type of things. And uh, here, I, I don't see any way uh, we could automate that. I, I don't even want to think about how to out- automate that because that's the, the, the relationship we are building with these people. Is this also one of the reasons why you are still bootstrapped? Let's say so not to have uh, a pressure for faster growth? <laughs> uh, I think we are growing super fast. So I... Uh, it, it goes around 250% year over year. Uh, nice. And Congrats. I I wouldn't say that's the reason, uh, but I think we have a long uh, way uh, to go ourselves before we actually, uh, you know, decide to go uh, that direction. But yes, on your question, we would like to have the ability to make our own decisions and be able to... Uh, run the company the way we feel could create the most value for the community and the highest value for for the clients. Could you share a little, just a little bit, uh, just to get a feeling, uh, some numbers about the size of the company right now, or is it a business secret? No, it's not a business secret. In 2021, uh, we generated uh, six million uh, USD in revenue. The size of the company, like this month, we had. Uh, around 180 active contracts, 175, 180. I'm not uh, really sure, but that's uh, that's the the size of the company. Okay, but what about let's say the team? The team is probably much smaller. The core team. I got a feeling that you need in this core team you need uh, really special talent. Let's say so the people who are empathic, who understand tech, uh, who have social skills, and uh, let's say intersection of this like in the Venn diagram intersection of three these three circles it's not so big usually <laughs> so uh, how large is the team and how do you approach to scaling the core team let's say where do you find the talent how are you hiring and so on right so uh, we pay a lot of attention on on our vision and, and our mission as a company uh, you know we want to enable work without boundaries for 1 million people by uh, 2030. And uh, that's our main driver when we uh, go after after talent. Usually, after uh, some period of time, you know, people want to join purpose-driven organizations that they would work with certain costs. And I, I think the cause we have, and I, I think the the, the driver uh, behind the growth of the company is huge. And that's how uh, you know we attract people to join the core team. The size of the core team is uh, around 20 people, and we have six departments. All of, as you mentioned, uh, majority of the people would need to be uh, tech savvy. At the same time, uh, they would need to be empathic to be able to uh, talk with people, resolve issues, hire them, you know, scale accounts and all of that. But I'm super proud uh, to say that we have super strong team, a lot of brilliant people um, in the team, uh, last year we started uh, building the leadership uh, layer. Uh, so we have different departments, different leads uh, now, and I think uh, think things are looking quite well for us. 
are you remote also with core team or is there already located in Macedonia? Uh, we are remote with the core team as well. Uh, we run three hubs in, in uh, Macedonia where people can, can go, but that's not limited to people in the core team, but also to uh, community members as well. Uh, again, the, 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 the end goal is, is to, to focus on this personal touch, to create a space where people can uh, go together, you know, have fun, organize events, meetups and and, and, and and all of that. Where did this mission come from, let's say? Uh, we didn't discuss this, let's say. So you mentioned uh, to enable one million people what borderless uh, opportunities or something like that. To walk without boundaries, right. So uh, I'm not sure how it is in Slovenia, but in, uh, I think uh, it's similar here. Uh, we realize that a lot of uh, people in, in, in different countries don't have the same opportunities as they would have in, let's say, London or uh, New York or uh, California. And we believe that their talent is everywhere. There are super skilled people in, in Slovenia. There are super uh, skilled people in India, a lot of skilled people in uh, Brazil and Argentina and Portugal. But, uh, you know, if you need to move out uh, from your uh, country and uh, leave the family and friends and all of that, uh, just to be able to 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 work with uh, challenging projects and and good companies, uh, you know, I think we are missing the point, uh, and and that's how that's what we wanted to change. We wanted to uh, create strong opportunities with uh, hyper growing companies for the people locally, so they wouldn't need to move out. And uh, if you look at the personal side of things, um, you know, people would move out, and that's uh, completely fine. But on the other side, uh, we help economies, right? If you, if you have 100 people uh, that's going to stay in Slovenia instead of them, uh, them moving out to uh, Austria or G- Germany, Switzerland or other European countries, you have an entire ecosystem. Those people would have kids. Uh, those, pe- those kids would go to school. Uh, these people would, would spend money. And you, you, you're kind of supporting an entire ecosystem, like uh, supporting these smaller countries uh, to grow and, and thrive and develop themselves uh, themselves uh, economically as well. Okay, so this now really connects everything with me. This is also probably the reason for the long-term contracts and so on. Uh, also, probably your talent becomes part of the team of the client, let's say, so they are treated as let's say, full-fledged member of the team, just the salary is paid in a different way, probably. Yes, yes, exactly. Yeah. Wow, I really respect this mission, let's say. Uh, and on the other hand, let's say you're making life uh, harder for the local IT companies because now they compete for the talent with the global uh, employers, let's say. So you are one of the reasons that the salaries in IT went sky high in the last 10 years in the region so thank you <laughs> uh, again Urush, we believe in uh, creating value and uh, the highest value uh, a company could create for talent for everyone you know uh, we respect that and one of our goals is to yes that's one of our goals is to level up uh, level up the market because uh, usually people end up working uh, on legacy projects uh, that not really developing themselves, staying in the company just for, for, for some uh, salary and all of that. So, uh, and I think uh, the, how we can boost this uh, local market is uh, markets is uh, by 
showing uh, the people how strong companies are working, creating this uh, European or American mindset on how to run the companies and all of that. And uh, after a few years, we see, uh, I want to see a lot of people from our community, you know, setting up their own uh, startups, companies, because they've built connections over the years, right? They understand how big companies are being run and uh, they have this uh, uh, growing mindset and, and all of that, which I think uh, if people stay in local companies, they might not be able to uh, to achieve that. You know, it could happen, but the chances are uh, smaller. I completely respect that and understand that because from our side, from DHH side, uh, we have a mission that's not, uh, let's say, aligned with yours, but also address some of the problems in the region, let's say. Uh, we want to offer, let's say, bootstrap founders or, let's say, IT founders, something like that, opportunity to maybe exit the business after 15 to 20 years and monetize what they did, but not destroy the business. Because we noticed there was no like exit opportunity. You're like locked in into your company that maybe you're tired of, maybe you know that company is worth something, but if you sell, some multinational will take over and they will destroy the brand and sell everything and so on. So we noticed there's opportunity to do stuff differently and not destroy the culture. So let's say when we acquire the company, uh, we keep the brand, we try to keep the entrepreneur on board, but we allow them to monetize either by selling this everything to us or becoming shareholder of DHL or something like that, but to keep the talent and, uh, let's say, the identity of the company the same. And we're really proud that, uh, let's say, it's working in some cases, and also in some cases after acquisition, the sellers go up, but also the profitability goes up. So... Let's say because you transfer some of the knowledge how to run the large company to the smaller ones. And this is this is actually the stuff that makes worth, let's say, transitioning from the entrepreneur to like a financial person. But when you see the impact, it makes it a little bit worth uh, it's worth it for me, let's say. So but yeah, uh not to talk too much about me, but uh maybe last question. Building marketplace, uh so What's the best thing about building marketplace? What's your most uh, fond of? And what's the worst thing in building out the marketplace? What's the stuff that you don't want? <laughs> uh, again, the best part is uh, creating value. Uh, because in marketplace, you know, in our case, you need to have commitments from two sides, right? The company would need to make a commitment that they would need they would like to hire this person and on the other side the, the the person would need to make a commitment that they would want to be part of the other company and uh, in our case uh, what i'm most uh, what i like the most is uh, this this creating value type of thing because if you have win-win and a lot of people you know life's gonna change they wouldn't need to move out they will stay with their family and the impact uh, the impact is is huge uh I, I'm not sure what I don't like the most. I think I wouldn't be able to answer that. I, I, I think I'm... <laughs> wow, great. I, I'm really happy for you. Uh, so, Tosho, thank you for joining us today. Uh, and I really hope that you will keep up this 250% growth year over year for next 10 years. <laughs> That's super aggressive, but thank you. Thanks for inviting me, Urush. I really appreciate the time, and uh, I really appreciate uh, you know your efforts on uh, sh- on creating uh, an, an impact in the local ecosystem and sharing uh, stories from 
uh, European entrepreneurs and uh, inspiring other people to join the entrepreneurship journey. If you like this episode, please subscribe to the podcast. And do not forget to tell your friends about it. I would really appreciate if you tell me which entrepreneur would you like me to interview next. Just email me at podcast at bootstrapentrepreneurs.eu. The episode show notes are available at www.bootstrapentrepreneurs.eu. See you next week.